Hello, everyone, and welcome back again to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're so glad you're here as we get behind the scenes for the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey. Joining me, we have the guys, Ryan and Kenny, fresh off of another bottling day. Felt good. So fresh and so clean, clean. Ooh, Ooh, felt good. Dropping some lyrics there. barrels were full, too. They were. Actually, they were so full. We ran out of labels. We ran out of labels. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a first. It was we got we got called to the principal's office because we should I say they they were doing the labels. And here's the thing is that when you do the labels and they go they have a very highly automated system over at Barts and Bourbon Company. And if it is not within I'm talking like three millimeters of our spec, they pull it off the table and they will rip the label off through a series of putting alcohol in there, rubbing alcohol and a few different things to get it clean. And they'll run it through the line again. And that will increase how many labels are used. So when I purchased labels, I purchased more than what we were actually going to bottle. However, through this process of making sure that labels are straight, they are looking good when they're coming off the line, uh, we actually ran out of some. So we actually have to go and order a few extra more, but that's okay because I'd rather make sure that we have labeled bottles out there instead of some that I think there was probably what, maybe 50 or 60 that would have gone, I wouldn't say unlabeled, but they said could have been held for sample bottles, but we still want labels on them. And two, last time I think we got doing this exact same size of uh, blend, we got about 330 cases this time we were, gosh, almost 360. So, you know, that's 180 more bottles than we thought last time. And a lot of label rejects. So you do that and that's where the shortage comes. But yeah, it's as okay. As much as you want it to be a perfect science every time. The, the never bourbon's is. still good. Bourbon's still yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. To refresh the folks who don't actually know the information too, we, we're doing a another bottling, another sending out through distribution of Oak Collection bourbon, but not the rye, correct? That is correct. Correct. Yep. Rye will come, uh, but we did the bourbon first yeah. this time because that's what I thought was available and ready in our inventory to go out. So Plus, there was a lot of need for it. I mean, that's that's the great thing. Here, I think this is one of the things that we've learned a lot over the past, what do you think, Ryan? Probably four or five months is actually how to, like, how do you read distributor data and how do you try to start forecasting what you need? And now that we can understand exactly what is going out to market, what's sitting in inventory, what is selling really well, that is able to help you make good judgment decisions on what's going to actually have to, you know, put in what, what goes next in line. I think that's the best way to put it. And the data said, oh, collection bourbon <laughs> was it. We've talked before about the philosophy and how you want to break down the blends isn't really the the most descriptive way of saying it. But when you're when you're going through, we've we've put on some batch IDs a bit before. We've talked about, you know, maybe they would take on some evolution. Maybe they wouldn't take on some evolution. Uh, what does this look like for this this most recent bottling of Oak Collection Bourbon? You know, the first one was kind of a pilot run because, you know, we like I said, we talked about before we were very hesitant in getting the finishing kind of things side of things and we wanted to do a test run and see what the market thought of our version of doing a finish, um, which our version is we want the wood to be a complement to the blends, not be the predominant flavor, which can be the case in with other products. And so with that, we did not have a Kentucky, our Kentucky BBC component. We didn't have enough of that available 
Um, and so we had some MGP barrels that we threw in there just to kind of prove this concept and see if uh, the market liked it. Well, they did. And but now we have our Kentucky barrels because, you know, we're six months into the future and we have those now. And so this is back to our original United blend that we get to work with, which was to me be it was quite frankly, much better to work with. It's a much more. Those MGP barrels were, you know, that high ride 36% mash bill and boy, were they spicy and it took a lot of oak and stuff to tame those bad boys down. So it was nice to use our, our flagship blend and two, I got to find the exact barrels that I thought would stand up to the oak influence that you get when you start adding, you know, the wood and cubes and whatnot. So it was much better experience. I think, I think the final products turning out better. It's much, it's definitely a much more creamier, much more approachable, much more. I I think it's just so much better having our, our blend that we worked with from the get go. So I'm excited for this one to come out. I think the first version is fantastic. I think this one's even more, even just even better. So yeah. I yeah. would say that the craziest thing about this is that when we were going through and we were, I mean, because we had both the original release and plus this new one tasting side by side, trying to figure out, is this ready? Is this ready to go? The noses, absolutely identical. Not identical. even yeah. not even a question. You couldn't tell a difference in the nose. Uh, the taste, as Ryan said, yes, a little more mellow, a little bit easier drinking, it's just because those 36% MGP barrels, they bring that spice character out of it, which I'm sure a lot of people like that. But I mean, for, for what we like, we like that sort of easy drinking sort of mentality. And so I, I'm really excited about this next release as well. You and I, Ryan, have talked about that. And we and we tried different versions of that too with when we were doing the first version, just kind of playing around with the base as opposed to what barrels were necessarily available. So I'm I'm real excited to, to see this and uh, see what the customers think about that. But on a similar note to that, I want to get to the guts of this particular topic, which is another idea that came from you two which is mainly just unpacking the idea of does this concept of pursuit, of pursuit spirits, the way that we have taken the brand, and we've hit on this in a couple of different ways through the other episodes, but does this method matter? So if you're listening to this, you're of the inner workings, as we've mentioned before, to, to pursuit spirits, to the bourbon pursuit gentlemen, you know, and, and the journey that we've gone on with this brand. And so we're kind of curious just to see, would that alignment still be the same if it was just another Ross and Squibb based brand? Or, you know, this sort of decision, has that made a difference in your reception to it as a brand? So I'll let you guys take it from there. A lot of what we've been trying to do, I mean, I feel, and I totally believe, I believe in our product. I believe in our story. I believe in doing something different doing something unique, doing something that has never been done before. Now, not to say not been done before, but I'm just saying like with the the distilleries, the mash bills, the processing, the finishing, everything that we're doing has not been done before. So we're, we were literally bringing a true new product to market. And it's not just another whiskey with a different label. And I think that's what we have to go back and we try to look at is would it have been easier and would have been smarter to just be another whiskey with a different label. Now, we all know that there's plenty of brands that have been built on the shoulders of giants. You've got your MGPs that have been out there. 
You got your folks that have bought a lot of stuff from Wilderness Trail. You're going to see a lot of brands come on from Barstown Bourbon Company. A lot of brands come on from Green River. And I think that story is going to... Con- Barton. Yeah, Barton. That can that story is continually going to play out for the next 10 to 20 years where it's going to be the same whiskey in a different bottle. Now, when we started thinking about this, we really started figuring out, did we think too hard? Because we know our audience. We felt that our audience wants to find something new. We want to find something interesting. And I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you probably agree with that sentiment. But the thing is that we're finding out as we're talking to distributors is they say things like, guys, your price point's too high. Or nobody has any idea who you are. Or the story doesn't align. And I go back and I'm starting thinking of like that first note of like, well, your price point's too high. Well, of course our price point's too high. What we do is a very expensive process. If we were to just go buy everything, and don't be wrong, it it might be very much smarter to go directly to Bartstown Bourbon Company and say, hey, go make all, all three of these mash pills here. And we'll still call it United and we'll put it together and we'll do whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's just all Kentucky. Yeah, that sounds good in theory. But when we started this process, we found better whiskey at different places. And so what that entails us to do is put those barrels on trucks and ship them from across the country, which increases all the cost that goes into it. I mean, you're talking a couple thousands of dollars that it takes just in transportation costs, unloading costs, dumping barrel costs, everything like that instead of just getting it from one distillery. But we did it because... And just much more expensive barrel cost, production yeah, costs, exactly. too. It's, you know, when you're working with smaller distilleries. When you, you take all those factors into it, and, you, and plus you pay for shipping, I mean, it adds up. And, and I think that we've tried to convey at some point to say, listen, like, we're right now, when we're buying age product, we're working on razor thin margin i mean it's it's not razor thin but i mean it's it's not as great as it you would see it uh from a big distillery a heaven hill a buffalo trace a woodford reserve that spent maybe what two three hundred dollars to fill that barrel and they sell their bottles still for 50 60 bucks i mean that is an insane margin when we're paying you know upwards of a thousand to twelve thirteen fourteen hundred per barrel on the same exact thing. So, and we haven't even seen that yet, by the way, like we're still paying very much in the aged market where you're not going to get that level of margin. I know I'm getting off a tangent here, but it's, it was sort of this, this idea that sort of started springing around is that did we put too much effort into thinking that we could create a different product? We could bring something that's new to market that hadn't been created yet, a new flavor profile, something that just hadn't been discovered, but does that matter? Because people still either want to chase Blanton's or they all just want MGP or is it just easier just to go to one distillery, source it, put our name on a label. It's the same. I mean, hell, we don't have to call it United. We could have just done something where we're like, oh, like you got a bunch of 75, 21, four bourbon barrels, BBC. We'll buy 5,000 of those barrels and just keep putting our name on it. Just keep putting it out there. But that's the same exact stuff that somebody else is using. Does that make us any different or make us any better? And and that's the struggle that I'm dealing with is because that story still hasn't connected or it's still not driven. 
and and we maybe we're trying to make it too hard on ourselves. You know, we're walking around, look at you know the the brands that are you know popular that are doing ninety thousand plus cases, and they're sourcing from the same place, and it's on you look on the back of the label, and sometimes it says age for twenty six months, and you're like, what the hell? I've never noticed that back there on tucked on the back, you know, and it's proof down to so much, you know, low proof and it sells for sub $40. And you're like, well, did we just focus too much on quality? Does the United concept like matter to people or do they just want, you know, a brand and a story, you know, a shelf trophy? Do they really care that it's like, like made with love, a good like, product, you know. like a good whiskey. <laughs> like, do they care? Is it just like more of a, like, do they want just something's like Kentucky only or Indian only or the most, or it's just, I don't know. That's that, that's where the, I think we're kind of feeling is like, we put so much effort, financial resources, you know, we're into the product. And we, we thought if we just focus on a good product, it'll take care of itself. But it's clearly not that. It's definitely more of a marketing thing. And it's like, well, should we have just put half in the whiskey and half in the marketing and we'd be better off? And that's the conundrum we're in. It's like, and the frustration I guess we're in is that we were so, put so much effort in the quality of the product and not into the marketing and, and we're still like losing traction to other brands who don't really give a shit about the quality, and, but it's a, a marketing play. I don't know. That's yeah, where we're and, at. And just to add one more thing into there is just because it it would have been really easy to go to Green River or to go to Bardstown Bourbon Company and just buy a bunch of barrels. And if we could have, when we bought enough a few years ago and we got them at a, at a decent price and we started buying our 4321 and new make, yeah, we probably could have been sub 40. I think we could have been. And I think that's been the the biggest hangup when we talk to our distributors. They just go, your product's too expensive. And I'm like, but it's different. Like, And I think that's the hardest thing to get by is that what we do is an expensive process. It's like if you want the same damn bourbon and a different label, yeah, you can get that for sub 40. But at some point, are people just going to be jaded or they just, or do people just don't care and and I think that's the hardest thing to try to grasp is that we just don't know. And maybe we're looking for people just for affirmation. I don't know what it is, but we just need to figure out like, I'm not going to say we're in a pivot right away, but maybe there'll be a pivot in the future just to figure out, are we, are we missing something? Are the, are the dots not connecting? Yeah. I think the first question that kind of comes to my mind that, that I don't really understand that I'd be curious to hear if you all have any insight on is I'm surprised why are the distributors telling you that you're too pricey when there's plenty of other products on the shelf that are as much or more expensive than you are? Like, what is it? What is the, the, the sticking point that that means that United is too pricey versus so much else that's out there that's above that range? They still move those products. You know, a lot of those, some of those don't have any trouble selling. So what is it about that? And what is it about pursuit that is making them say that to you all? Yeah, I think this has also been something that this is a another inside baseball kind of thing is that, you know, we are in constant communication with the distributors to try to figure out what's selling, what's not selling, what can we do better, how can we adjust, how can we make minor improvements to figure out how we can just try to get more sell through it at the shelf. 
Now, a lot of them, what they're saying is, to a, a fair degree, is that a lot of them are saying, like, guys, listen, you're comparing yourselves to Penelope, to Beryl, to um, Blue Run, to whomever. And they're like, you guys aren't well known. I'm sorry to say, but nobody knows who you are. And maybe that's true. Maybe that, like, we've just, and that goes back to Ryan's first point, is that we put too much money into the investment in the whiskey that we wanted because we thought it was a really good product versus just telling the story and putting more dollars towards the marketing side. And I think that's where the hangup is, is because a lot of distributors say like, listen, you guys just aren't well known people. And, and to be fair, like, listen, I, I've told this story a thousand times. I said, if you listen to Bourbon Pursuit, well, you are part of a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. Like, A, you listen to podcasts, right? That segments out probably 90% of the population. B, it's got to be about alcohol. C, it's got to be about whiskey. And D, it's got to be about bourbon, right? It is so far niche that it is like you have to be really into it. But thankfully, we have owned that niche. We've been able to talk about that story, be able to build that up. And it's been a great way and it's been a, an explosion of people that have followed that in a, a huge wave. And it's it's amazing. But that is still a very, 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 very small segment of the actual whiskey drinking population. And so we have to break outside of that. And for somebody to say, I've never heard of Pursuit, fair. I can totally see that. And so we have to go, I wouldn't say the offensive, but we definitely have to go and try to do better. And I think that's really where the ambassador program really is starting to strive, where we're able to start getting more liquid to lips, getting people to try the product and be able to get more new fans behind it as well. Um, but it's, again, that's going to take some time. Uh, nothing is a, as Ryan has always said, nothing's an overnight success. And we're learning firsthand about that right now. I, I just want to make sure we're on the right path because sometimes it feels like we're not. Only because, uh, like, we can cancel our contracts with New York and Tennessee after this year. And we can just go all Kentucky and we can go and just do the same thing everybody else does. Like, we can go do that. Like, that's easy. That playbook's been done, and we can go recreate it. But I don't know if that's what the consumer wants. I think you're talking about two different things right now, honestly. Because part of what you just mentioned, too, was talking about the marketing engine. But the marketing engine has no, to, to, in my mind, has no concept of whether or not pursuit exists in one form or the other. So the question then is not, does the concept matter? It's what makes the concept matter, right? And so I think even what you were saying, the distributors were saying is no one knows you. Okay, what if the pot, regardless of whether the podcast was bigger or not, but let's just say if the podcast was bigger and it drew more attention, more people would know about you. The distillers, the, the distributors would be familiar with you. What would their song be then? Or, let's say some something sparks and pursuit gets some recognition more recognition it takes off even further and then you know there there it, it's the buzz it's buzzing in people's ear whether that's because we we go a certain direction when it comes to the marketing plan or or anything that that triggers that that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that pursuit is pulled from other states or it's it, it's in one so they're kind of even two things so even hearing you you talk about that is kind of wrestling with a lot of things at once. So, <laughs> and in so so, I mean, if you, if you want this just to be an affirmation thing, okay, 
podcast at pursuitspirits.com. Go ahead and tell Ryan and Kenny they're great. Okay, no, no, that's no, no, one. But, 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 but this, 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 but this two. is why we can't sleep at night. Like, this is why we can't sleep. Right, right, right. And I'm not, and I promise, I'm not trying to dismiss that. I'm just trying to, to separate the two of those things out because, you know, you all could, and this is not sound negative, but it will a little bit, you all could decide to switch, do all Kentucky. You could do all all MGB. It doesn't matter. And you'd be in, in the, the bottle same situation. And still be in the same situation. Yes, Ryan. So it's so part of the conversation is not that. So there's there's multiple sides to this kind of conversation. So I'm just trying to ask, what are you trying to ask? Are you actually <laughs> wanting to know? The, does the are end you wanting to know? Yes. I, are you so? I mean, and part of that really comes down to you all sticking with your guts. Now, I mean, I will say, and this is this is super insider. Maybe this is ne- not necessarily like podcast air this is more just from a guy who's not a part of the business giving business advice which would be if you all have a way to make the business uh more profitable then you know i think people who are on board already with the brand would be on board the brand i don't think that making a decision like that but is still different it's still you're still creating your own mashables do that is more in line with some other brands that you've either mentioned here or or haven't mentioned on the show already you know i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that again podcast of pursuit spirits i'd love to hear as we're going through if someone's like oh my gosh whatever brian said the 24 minute mark so stupid um i i'm I don't know. I don't know where people would, you know, like you've mentioned before with a thousand true fans and you, we've all discussed this particular point, you know, that I've kind of thought about as a slight outside, but still inside with you all is, you know, there, there is a larger sector that we need to, to, to drive attention to. And I don't, I don't know that always hanging on bourbon pursuit is going to be able to be that driver, but what is, you know? And so, yeah, I'm incredibly thankful for the ambassadors who have, who've come from wherever, whatever direction it has been to, to bring them there and want to continue to push that. And my hope would be the biggest driving factor is, is one, believing in your all's vision. And two would be that they believe that the, the juice is worth the squeeze, right? So I'd be curious just to know what makes the juice not worth the squeeze? I don't know. You know, <laughs> I talk too much. Your turn, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I do think the juice is worth the squeeze. I think what we're doing is right. And I think long-term it's best. It just, it just, sometimes you just feel like you're putting so much effort into something and no one hears you or appreciate you <laughs> and, and 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 by the way this that's is that's fine is only because of the feedback we get from some distributors when we say like what can we do right. better like what what's missing what what is what are the dots that aren't connecting and people just say sorry your price is too high people don't know you and i think this is probably what he's getting at well they'll say they're like your price is too high for a sourced whiskey and this and that and, you know and they don't know where it's coming from and it's like Okay, so I guess we'll be a source whiskey where they know it's coming from. <laughs> that it, we tell it on the label. Yeah, didn't it's somebody like, say like you're I, not transparent enough? I'm like, what the fuck? Like that's literally all we we're are. Too we're trans- too transparent. Yeah, and we don't tuck like age for at least 26 months on the back label somewhere. Or <laughs> it's like I, I, that's the thing. It's like people 
just aren't connecting with what we're trying to do. And we're trying to give them everything we need to connect with us, but it's still not, doesn't resonate, I guess, with people. And maybe it's just distributors. Using it's a, excuses. I think it's, I it's part of that. I think it's part excuses. I think it's honestly, it is, it is, it is a hype factor that we're missing. Totally agree. Like we're missing a hype factor. There's a lot of brands that have been able to jump on. And when I, I have, when I've named off these brands, I have named off five plus brands. You got to understand there's 500 brands that are probably sitting in the same exact position that we are trying to figure the same exact thing out. So when I name these five brands, yeah, they've caught a little bit of that dust, that whatever that magic dust, whatever it is to be able to, to catapult them into mainstream thought processes. But for the most part, a lot of people are still trying to figure this out. And I, I don't want to forget that because we are still a startup at the end of the day. We are still trying to figure out our path and, and what this looks like. And, it, and this is why I love these conversations, because these are just brainstorming conversations and maybe uh, half venting as well. And I still feel at the end of the day that our concept, what we're trying to build, has, has merit. It has value because we are doing something different. And it's just going to take time. It's going to take time and it's going to take the, the groundswell of making sure that people try the product to see what we're doing is different. It's not drinking just straight Green River. It's not just drinking straight Finger Lakes. It's not just drinking straight Bar Summer. It's not drinking straight Sagamore. It's not drinking any of the 90,000 other source whiskeys out there. Like we're literally trying to create a new product where a lot of brands aren't. And if we have to keep hammering that home, maybe we just have to keep hammering that home. We need a bigger hammer. Well, we need a bigger hammer. We need a. <laughs> we have a microphone, but maybe we need a bigger microphone. I'm. I'm just curious. I'm not trying to poke a bear. I'm just saying, you know, I know that you all, you appreciate. I don't want to diminish this. The relationships that you all have with the people that you've worked with, and and to be able to let them do what they do so well. But when it comes to, to, to the Tennessee component, I find it interesting that you still can't say who it is. You know what I mean? Like, does that piece of like needing, like of, of having to say an undisclosed distillery in Tennessee, not from Tullahoma, does, does having to beat around the bush like that at all take away from what you're talking about right now? You know, again, I like that's fair. You, you're 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 you're, ce- you're celebrating them, but you're not actually able. They're like kind of saying like, please don't acknowledge me, and and I understand. I, I guess a little bit. It's business, right? So I don't. I'm not trying to tease out anything that you're not allowed to say. I'm just saying like, I don't know. They're they're part of that conversation, at least on the bird. No, I get it. I, you know, right? And so, you know, what does does that? I don't know. Issue any easier to say? Well, now we're just. Now it's really just our, it's just New right. York, you know, twofold, that's twofold. So the first one is that, A, I had actually a conversation with our partner in Tennessee last week and they are expanding. They're adding a third still to their existing operation and they are adding even more clients. They are selling out their contract capacity every single day. And I said, hey. At some point, you let me know when we can go ahead and start dropping your name. We're ready to start doing it. And they go, listen, we love it, but we want to be behind the scenes. We are a B2B company, not into the consumer realm. So I've tried doing that. Whatever. So it's it's one thing. 
we are we're one of those people that we want to abide by our NDAs and they make a great product and it is not going to be too long until it gets ousted that everybody knows who they are. Like it's going to be the new MGP. People are going to find out about it. It'll just take a little bit more time. The second part about it is that, you know, you say the Tennessee thing and, you know, Ryan and I, we were just in Tennessee not too long ago going to uh, Pigeon Forge. And I'm not going to name names, but there's a another distillery down there that's not Old Smoky, by the way, because that's an easy one to farm out. But there's another distillery around there. And I went to their restaurant and amazing, amazing good restaurant. They had uh, a lot of cocktails. They had a lot of things going on. And you go to their gift shop area, they got a wall of bourbon, fucking wall of bourbon. I'm looking at it, I'm like, dang, they must just be killing it right now. And I go, I grab a bottle. I was like, I really want to support these guys because it's, you know, it's Tennessee. Like I'm down here doing good things. I turn it around. Brian, guess what it says on the back? Distilled in Indiana. Indiana. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm just like, God damn it. Just when you think you want to support somebody, it just says distilled by MGP. And so I'm just like, I'll give you one better. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm just looking at it. I'm like, God, like I want to help support them, but they're just doing the same exact thing as everybody else. And so that's like the the thing that it, it irks me a little bit. Even the people that sit there and align with it and be like, oh, it's a Tennessee brand. It's doing these Tennessee things, but it's just supported by Indiana whiskey. I had this happen in Denver. <sighs> I was just coming off Denver and there's this brand that, you know, people probably know. I'm not going to say it, but it's a locally owned Denver brand. And people, you know, I was at stores talking to people and I'm like, what, what are the brands? They're like, oh, we support this because it's a local Colorado whiskey. And you turn on the back and I show them, it says distilled in Indiana. And I'm like, do you know what that means? They're like, no, but they're locals. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, it's like. I don't know. That's why I guess sometimes it feels like, does it even matter? But, you know, we're trying to be, like <laughs> I said, it, 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 and I agree that I, I do think that Tennessee, for some reason, it just doesn't sit well with people. Well, because in, nickel. it was, I, I think I get it in, in, I, I, I don't know how to say this, but the, the Tennessee, that Tennessee product we have is probably best tasting product at four years old it is hands down bardstown stuff is great once it gets to five to six but at four years that tennessee product will beat everything at four years old that that's just the, the reality of it and it was and that's why we went with this concept is like we can't find something that tastes better at four years old than this product right here and that's why we used it same thing with the finger lakes it tastes really good at four years old the Bardstown stuff does too, even though it's made in Kentucky. I blend on flavor, not on source, not where the state it's made. And, but it feels like that, that doesn't matter. And it's like you can source, but it has to be from a certain source to be accepted. Yeah. My wife just texted me. You're going to get in trouble if you keep talking about MGP. I, I don't think anything that we said is out of line. It, no, MGP is yeah, great exactly. whiskey. It's just, it's just like, but it's more of the it's same. Like, that's, that's all we've been talking about is in Maybe this is because, Ryan, you turned me on to Seth Godin, I don't know how many years ago, and and he says, That's his and he fault. says, if you want to be more to the same, what do you become? You become mediocre. 
And that's all it is, is if you want to appeal to the masses, you want to be more to the same, then you're nothing but a mediocre brand. And the death of mediocre is going to come soon. And I hope that we are able to get beyond that. And we are able to create something that's different, unique, and resonates with people. Um, and I just hope that hope that day comes sooner rather than later. <laughs> Otherwise, there'll be a no more pursuit. <laughs> yeah, this pod, it won't this be behind. Be over <laughs> It'll be relatively quickly. Yeah. Well, I I will say something to kind of like wrap this up, but it it does it is a little bit challenging to towards you all. So maybe it's just something you, maybe you have something to say about it. Maybe you could just leave it as a takeaway, but it's mainly about something that Ryan was saying. And I know how you are, Ryan. And I know that, you know, you, you like the feedback that you get from people. It's important to you and kind of helps you see if the decisions that you made and stuff were, were right. But aside from the fact that, you know, you need sales to not crash and burn as a company, um, <laughs> do, do you need people to say to you that the decision to do the pursuit model was right? Like, do you need people to tell you that it was right for you to believe that it's right? Because right now, we're at an this is an interesting crossroads, even this topic. And, and it's as choosing to do something like this as a brand, you know, we're just airing this out because we have a podcast about it. If we didn't, those thoughts would still be there. Like you mentioned, those things that are keeping you up at night as a business, I would assume are going to be there I until whatever you see happen in the next five, 10 years. However, I guess, again, that question back to you is, do you need, are you needing the people to tell you that that was right for you all to believe that it's right to continue to do this? Or no, are you, I, you know, are you just saying no? We're, and it, or, and I guess the the other caveat to this is, is it because you guys have already bought the stock? Is it <laughs> like because 40, you guys have already bought the barrels? <laughs> like, is the, what is, yeah. Is, is it the fact that you're too, is it the fact that you're so deep is that what's saying, no, we have to keep through this? Or do you all really just believe, like, are, like, do you believe in your core? Or maybe you just need to come to that. Do you believe in your core? This is right. And if not, there's time, you're still, like, you're, you're a young company. There's a lot you can still do. There's a lot you no, can change. I, there's a lot of movement in the future. I, I don't. Before you I, crash and burn. I, 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 think, I, I think the problem is I believe in it too much. And I believe in it so much that maybe I'm blind to what's reality that maybe that's not what the market wants or cares about to me i i believe in it and i think it's the right thing am i just blind to my like because sometimes as an entrepreneur you can like think like oh this is it but maybe i'm you know the the psycho madman that doesn't know i need i guess i need somebody to like tell me what's reality maybe maybe it's not a concept that matters or exists to the to consumers and i guess i guess that's what I, we're trying to figure out i i wholeheartedly believe in it i just don't want i don't want that belief to like take us to the to the death no. <laughs> uh, and to your degree ryan i i believe in the concept too and only because i believe that our audience and the people that drink you know what what our audience really is like to be fair we are never going to appeal to mass audience that's not what we want to do we want to appeal to those goal. whiskey 102 those bourbon 201 those types of people i think that's where we strive like that's where we live those are our people and they're already there 
they just don't know about us. And we just got to make sure we just keep hammering that thing home. Because if you were just to do the same thing that everybody else does, you just become mediocre. You just become no better than anybody else. And I'm trying to, and I, I still feel very much that we can go down this path and keep and keep going. Because even at our current state, even if you don't tell them about the whiskey and the blending process and what we're doing, it's still a good product. It's just a, a natural thing of, of, of building a brand the old school way. As much as we want to be digital first, content native, whatever you want to call it, it, it takes liquid to lips. It takes a lot of free samples. It takes giving away a lot of stuff just to get people on board. And I feel that we're going to get there. And it's just going to be a, a slow burn to, to make that happen. You know, drip by drip, day by day. That's what it's going to take. And I'm thankful that we have our audience of listeners out there that are that are part of this. Like, they're a part of the story. Like, people that are listening right now, you're like, you're a part of the story. Like, you're, you are, you're involved with this. So, thank you so much for being people that, you know, have purchased a bottle that are going out there, talking about it, bringing it to your whiskey tastings at your bourbon clubs or whatever. Like, cause that's what we need. I mean, that's, that's just a, that's all it takes. And, and that's how brands are built. I mean, Every brand that I mentioned earlier, none of them were just built just because they had, you know, like really great whiskey. I mean, a lot of them is because it took time. It took time. It took effort to make that happen, too. And I think we'll get there as well. But it's just going to and, and it might not be the story that resonates. Maybe the story pivots over time. And it's just the whiskey that tells the story. It's not even the blending process. It's not where it comes from. It's just this, this really good whiskey. I don't know. I think that's one of those things that we will have to figure out over time is, is how does that story change? How does it adapt to the audience? And, and what do we need at that time as well? The, the, the different mashables, the concept is there. It's like, do we need to waste the effort and energy to do it from the different states? Does, does that even matter to people? Or is it just you can unite whatever and make some bullshit story about sitting around a campfire and uniting, you know, with people on the left and right, right and you're, make this you're, whole campaign. You're thinking too hard. Like what if Buffalo Trace said, let's just unite our three mash bills we have and create a whiskey. Right. It's the same, like, come on. Like it would have been that easy. I know. So, or we could have called it four grain. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't do that. Even either. though. <laughs> Another big swing and a miss by us. And to your other sentiment, like I said, I feel I feel very passionately about what we're building is the right thing. And all I know is that I just want people to start reading labels, understanding what goes into this. Because, man, it would have been so easy to know that we could make something that's 80 proof and only two and a half or three years old and put it out there. Shit, we would have done that a long time ago. But that's not our audience. That's not what they expect. And we need to make sure that we bring something that is going to wow them on day one. And that's what we said at the very beginning. I think we talked about this in another episode. It's like we flipped the script on it. Most bourbon brands, they start with an 80 proof or 85 or 89 or 90, 93. We came up with 108 as our first flagship offering. Like nobody does that. Nobody does that. And so I think that's uh, the interesting thing that we're trying to do is like we cater to a very niche audience. We just need that niche audience to give us a chance. If it's any um, 
encouragement to you all. I will leave on on one thing again, as you know, kind of seeing things from the the media side. One of the things I find most rewarding, and I hope you all do too, is when you see some of the 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 reviewer channels or people in general who end up, whether purposefully or not purposefully, having pursuit in a blind or a flight against other stuff, and when it wins out, you know their their excitement of the product kind of ex- extends beyond just enjoyment of the product because it's one of those things that we are in a world where things that are better than the hard to find, the expensive, the 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 getting rarer, the you have to know your store really closely in order to get being able to find products that that are that are reliably good and when you are able to figure those sort of things out, they seem to get really excited about it. And it's been exciting watching other people have those experiences with the pursuit spirits from the rye to the bourbon to the Oak collection, rye Oak collection bourbon. And I'm excited to continue to see more people do this with more of your all's products. And one more thing is I think what you're relating to is like, Oh, remember that one time that United bourbon actually beat Weller foolproof in a blind tasting on YouTube live. I mean, and, and people were t- they were, really had a hard decision between rare breed and pursuit united like i know that's what we created for that's my love language yeah you know me he needs that and and there was one more and i'll give it shout out to one of our brand ambassadors mike out of kansas city he he was at macadoodles there and they were doing basically a blind taste test between uh eh taylor small batch and anybody else that wanted to go against them and we put Pursuit United against E.H. Taylor's small batch. And it gets 40 people. It was 21 to 19 E.H. Taylor's small batch versus Pursuit United. So we we lost by one vote, but that just shows you that we can hold our own against it. I know. We need to do that United Rye versus E.H. Taylor Rye. Smoke yeah, exactly. them down. Ryan, you need to you need to stretch your blending muscles and just start just start playing around with some of the things you have at your disposal of of samples you have, not not all whiskey, of like barrels you have. And start trying to mimic other distilleries' flavor profile. Just start <laughs> messing with flavor. Be like kiss from a rose or like you know, seal where the seal buffaloes version. where the buffaloes go or whatever. You know, and just start just start playing with some stuff, messing with flavor. I want to fly just, like an eagle. Here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just think, I, I think, um, like MG, I need to pee. I just think that if you were to mess around, I think it would be, it would, op- it would open up, it would just be an interesting exercise, you know. And I think you'd be like, hell yeah, I can beat all these guys. So I think, it, I think there's some cool stuff that could come from it. That's probably a good burning thing, like, but me recreating. Yeah, I like that. Me trying to recreate. A blend that is the similar profile of the Jersey Chaser brands, and <laughs> yeah, saying I mean, try this against the Jersey Chaser brand. I and, love it. And, you know, and honestly, that that provides interesting content. It provides some kind of fun content if you ever wanted to like actually talk about like kind of what you're doing, which could could get a little too revealing. So maybe you don't. But uh, it, it's it's interesting. Kind of gets it kind of gets you exercising in a slightly different way than you might see uh, for the brand. Uh, but it's also you know it's kind of interesting. So. It is. 
Guys, another really interesting topic here. I'd love to hear what you all have to say uh, in regards to this podcast. Any little tidbit that has come from this podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. And don't forget, if there's other topics you want to hear us talk about on other episodes, send us a line, podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. And if you are interested, as well as being an ambassador, we are still looking for a few more locations, uh, namely in Texas, all across Texas, but of course in our nine distributed states. Please go ahead, reach out to me. Always looking for a few extra people in some major metros. So I thank you so much. Guys, thanks again for listening to another episode of Behind the Pursuit. And until next time, we'll see you all later. Toodles. Toodles.